We hope you enjoy listening to this podcast of St. Louis on the Air, brought to you by University College at Washington University. With undergraduate and graduate programs, part-time, evening, and online. University College at Washington University, offering world-class education within reach. Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Don Marsh. Exposing youngsters to books is an important part of a child's overall development. Books can teach, they can entertain, they can help fashion lifetime and lifestyle attitudes. So what they read during those most important and impressionable years is important. Today we're considering the long-range impact of books on kids. With me in studio is Asia Lestar Owens, the author of Rock What You Got. Georgie Hertz is the author of Jess Likes to Jump. And Adelaide Lancaster is co-founder of We Stories. It promotes children's literature as a means to a more equitable and inclusive future. Thank you so much, ladies, for being with us. Great to have you. Thank you. you. I'll put the same question to each of you, starting with you, Adelaide. Uh, Elaborate on why reading uh, is so important for the youngster development. Well, of course, we know that there are all sorts of um, benefits to just learning and the importance of literacy in that. But we also really know that it matters what kids are are learning and what they're seeing. And I think um, over the last 10 or 15 years in particular, we've seen that the importance of seeing oneself in literature is really important. Um, And then, of course, as a white woman and as a white mom with white kids, I'm acutely aware of how important it is for my children to see others in all of represented well and um, equitably across the literature that they're reading. And Georgie, that uh, goes right to you because uh, you've taken this message to heart with your Jess books, haven't you? Yes, Jess has green skin, and I felt that um, it's it's for very young children, and Jess is neither a boy nor a girl, so this opens up a chance for discussion. It's a very simple rhyming book with pictures. My goal would be that with reading it, a parent, a teacher, would have an opportunity to discuss skin color to discuss boy-girl playing behavior, that it can all be mixed in and enjoyed. And Asia, where are you coming from in all of this? (laughs) I just want to echo their sentiments. (laughs) Um, I definitely think that, um, especially coming from my my background, my community, a lot lot of times I see that young people don't like to read. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, social media, that's what the, you know, the times that we're living in. So I definitely wanted to uh, come up with something that is for, you know, people in my community that they can identify with and would want to uh, grab hold to and start reading something that young people can read to their siblings our parents could read to their kids. Um, you know, I just thought that would be something to help it kind of be fun when you can relate to, you know, the images that you see. One of the things you mentioned is equally important, I think, to all of this, and that is the, the bonding potential mm-hmm. between particularly parents and their children. Yeah. 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 What, what is your message? How do you transmit your message and what you write? You, you're a multifaceted person, I must <laughs> say, so you come at it from a couple of different directions. Yeah, um, I mean, I love music, I love art, I love culture, and I think that um, kids learn different. You know, I, I was that kid that learned different, more visual, you know, and audio. So when you have a situation where you want to get messages across, you want to be unique in how you approach it. So, again, I think that having, you know, with my book, I think just having some vibrant, you know, colors and different type of illustrations to go along with the words. Because the message, rock what you got, I mean, it's, it's literally that. Like, we all have different, unique characteristics and, um, and quirks about us, but we, we are all unique and we all have a purpose. So my message is that to embrace who you are. You know, everybody at every stage of your life, embrace who you are. And Georgie, color is very important to you, obviously. I mean, it just splashes all over the page in, in your book. 
Uh, yes, and the boy-girl situation, too. You asked kind of what goal. I think playfulness, the book has just jumping over and under, and, and the kids recognize this. Oh, I can jump around a tree. Yes, Grandma and I jump over cracks. Uh, Daddy holds me, and I jump off his back. So they also identify with the playfulness. So in the end of discussion, well, you know, this 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 child has green skin, and they like to play things you do. Mm-hmm. And I'll ask them, do you think Jess is a boy or a girl? And some pick different different choices, and I say, you know, it doesn't matter. I don't know if Jess is a boy or a girl. Adelaide, how do you take material with, with We Stories, take material like this and, and utilize it? Well, the, um, our approach is um, to look across a constellation of books, and oftentimes we pair books together um, with critical questions. So we're always really mindful of what is the conversations that we are likely to have, what are the conversations that we're not having um, that we ought to be having. And so um, our intervention is pretty research-based uh, and focused, and we know that if, um, in particular, if white parents do nothing differently, um, they are likely to never explicitly talk about race or skin color with their children, and they're likely to not add a lot about the history of bias and discrimination um, alongside their children's school curriculum. and our perspective as an organization is that that really leaves us to continue the pattern of segregation um, that we have and disparity that we have. Well, how, how do you do this? I mean, do you have, do you have classes or, or reading sessions? How does it work? <laughs> um, a, a little bit of a mix of both of those. Um, the way that our program works is that we enroll 80 to 100 families together as a, at a time and help them bo- uh, build some community. And then we select four age-appropriate books, um, all that feature protagonists of color that are written by authors of color, um, and we pair them with discussion questions. And where most families are starting is really just opening up a, um, a noticing conversation and getting comfortable noticing difference um, and speaking to it and then thinking about um, how it applies to their life so that they can walk around and say, in my life, who's present, who's missing? Asia, with the groups that you work with and with your own material, what have you seen? What kinds of differences and changes have you seen in the kids primarily, but perhaps also in the, the, the parents and siblings? Um, the word that comes to mind is empathy. Mm. I think that once you start to um, understand and embrace and love who you are, then you're able to better help others to see those same things in themselves. You know, um, I literally just came out with this book um, last week on my birthday, and I went to a couple of daycares and and shared it. And one of the things that I would ask is, like, you know, how many people, because it has discussion questions at the end, too, but, like, you know, how do you rock what you got? Like, you know, what are some things that you do? You know, and some of the kids, you know, like, I don't know what I like about myself. You know, I don't know. And then that's that's an opportunity to have some of the other kids, you know, open up and share. So what I've seen was, you know, you'll have kids that'll say, well, I I like how you are so kind. You're always helping us out or I like how you do this or I like how you wear your hair. So without me even instructing them, you know, the ones who are already kind of confident in themselves, they're helping others to to find their own, you know, uh, beauty and, and things like that. So what I've seen is empathy. And, and Georgia, what sort of reaction have you had from the kids themselves? Okay, I do visit kindergartens and preschools. And the last two I went to, I had the children answer why I like Jess Likes to Jump. And many, many, many said, because I like to jump. (laughs) And then I looked through them again, and two of them definitely said, because I like that 
that Jess is green yeah. and that everybody is green in the book. And I thought, yes, okay, that's going the right direction. Um, the, um, the goal and what I see in them is that it's, it's okay. You know, I say, do you, do you think Jess is Jessica or Jesse? Jess could be a boy or a girl. And I think it makes him think that, well, here's this character that has clothes that boys or girls can wear, this funny hair that's wavy, and that that's okay. Asia, would this work with the people that you work with, This, the, the green child of genderless, if you will? I, I definitely I definitely agree. We were just talking about, like, because even one of the characters in Rock What You Got on the cover, I identified with that character. I'm like, that's how I used to look when, you know, when I was in grade school. And I was like, I can't tell if it's a boy or a girl. You know, and I think that that's the that's the thing. You have so many people who fit in those categories of, you know, just that androgynous, you know, um, you know, feel. But it's not necessarily that they're trying to be another gender or not. They probably like exactly who they are, but they just like to wear different clothes does, or does, play different sports. Does a, a four year old get that? You know, this day and age, I think they do. I think they're exposed to so much more than we were. Well, when I was younger, you know, I just think they have a lot. Because also they have siblings or parents that fall into those different categories. Mm -hmm. So I just think that those conversations, um, you know, definitely should be had if they're not had. But I think that they are a little bit more aware. And uh, and still, I I think young people, I think, are a little bit more compassionate. And they'll ask questions like they will. Even if they say, are you a boy or girl? That's still an opportunity to have that Mm -hmm. conversation. Everybody's nodding. Adelaide, do you buy into that? Um, Absolutely. I mean, I think that um, fostering uh, empathy and uh, self-love and self-acceptance is something that um, can happen anywhere and is really important for all young people and all people. Um, I also think that uh, differences are are noticed by children. Research tells us again and again that children notice differences. They notice them, uh, what's different from themselves. They notice difference across communities. And more important than that is that they actually notice disparity and they Mm. notice that really early on. And so, so some of what I really like um, that is being shared is the importance of explicitly speaking to that. Because when we don't explain why disparity exists or what the meaning and value of difference is, then oftentimes um, children, the inclination is to attribute it to an individual. So um, this is different because the person wants it that way, or they have less because they deserve less. When it, would it be too young to start with this? I mean, four is pretty young, but is uh, would you start earlier than that, perhaps? Um, we start uh, talking about the concept of unfair treatment um, as early as three. Um, I think all kids are really different. They let you know when they're interested and they like walk away or squirm or ask for a snack when they're not. Um, so I think you have to pace it with children. Um, but my uh, being a parent of a six, eight and four year old, um, my kids all in that three, four age were really keen to talk about fairness. And so I think it's actually an important time to um, intersect where they're what they're naturally noticing and learning about and also interrupt some of the bias that they're absorbing. Georgie, the uh Reading, obviously, is important. We've established that. What about writing? Is it important to get kids, even at an early age, to express themselves uh, along some of the lines that we're talking about here? Oh, I would think so. I, my book has simple sentences that rhyme, and that was a big purpose of mine, so they would be able to finish the rhyme. And I think children enjoy that, maybe could be encouraged, to express themselves with the rhyme, 
and it's it's easy. It, it, kids, you, I talk to them and I say, okay, what well, rhymes with stop? And it's pop and top, and then I read my story. So they have an opportunity to make little stories or words that rhyme, and that was a big purpose of mine, to make it uh, readable and maybe um, inspiring. Asia, do you use, use rhyme? Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, um, I love, I mean, I'm a poet, so yeah. I love rhyming. Um, and I, I wanted to kind of add to um, what you just said. Um, writing is so essential. I mean, writing and reading is so essential. And um, back in 2011, my sister and I, we did like a, a publishing camp where we helped 15 kids write and publish their own books. The interesting thing about that is some of them couldn't even read well. So the idea of, you know, showing how important it is for them to write and then when they finish their book and could hold it in their hand, that only not only gave them a certain self-confidence, it also helped them be ambassadors to their peers. You know, because I think another thing, and I don't know if you experienced this too, that when you, you know, publish your own work, your community, the people that are around you, it's like, it means a little bit more because it's not just any book. It's not just Dr. Seuss. It's like, oh, my aunt did that book or my friend did that book or my mother, you know, did that book. And it's a sense of, like, confidence, you know, when you can say, I know that author, you know. If, if kids are reading books like yours and, and Georgie's, um, is that enough to counter bias in the household? I mean, sometimes kids will be brought up in a household where there is that sort of thing. Uh, can, can reading counter that? It can if if it's um, a continuum of that. I think it's a good start. You know, just to know that a book like mine and a book like hers is is out there. You know, it's a really, really good start because we know that these represents a, a community that doesn't always get that 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 um, that conversation, that dialogue. Mm-hmm. So it's a great start. And I think the more you see it, the more you'll see others take the confidence to either create more books or, you know, maybe we'll create more books and have more conversations and be attached to organizations that will help facilitate those conversations. So it's a great start if it's consistent. What do you think, Adelaide? I think that's a big question. Um, (laughs) I agree. I I think consistency is really important. Um, I think that uh, comfort, uh, parents and educators' comfort level, addressing uh, using these kinds of books and addressing uh, this kind of conversation is really, really important. Um, So I I like to think of things in sort of the big system, and I think it takes all of us. It really Mm -hmm. takes families. It takes educators. um, It takes institutions. It really will take our region, um, in particular, thinking about our children um, to foster these conversations in every place we possibly can. Georgie, that is a tough nut, though, if you've got a household (laughs) in which there are these attitudes that, uh, you know, are are counterproductive, to put it mildly. uh, It's hard to kind of erase that from uh, a child. Yes, I think so. Um, The whole society with the boy-girl, and I talk to the kids and say, I have a granddaughter who likes to wear boys' clothes, and that's okay. And not all girls want to be a princess, and not all boys want to be a superhero. And I think maybe if you're a parent and you have a child who is wearing the opposite clothes or getting, it's like, I'm okay. Look, here's Jess. And Jess, the second book that I'm writing, Jess actually does superhero and holds a baby and, and gets more into this. And I looked up. When I was writing, I thought, well, does anybody else write about, and I don't know if this is all the way what I'm writing, about transgender. Mm -hmm. 
Is anybody letting kids be a tomboy, not having to follow the the girly girl rules if if they don't want to? And there were like maybe one book in Amazon that helped children, books for parents, but not a book that would open up discussion for children. So I thought this might be a way to do that. And Asia, the kids are hearing this stuff on the radio and on television all the time. Right. And probably are wondering, what is that all about? Right. I, don't, I don't get it otherwise. So they, yeah. need, they need this they sort of thing to... And I think it takes, you know, whoever is going to craft that story to be sensitive about how you, you know, write those stories. Because, you know, just listening to you, I'm like, I'm, I'm reflecting back to when I was a kid. I would have loved to have those type of books. I would have loved to have something like my book to say, I'm okay. It's okay to just figure yourself out because that's what we're all doing. We yeah. Even, you know, in your adult life, you're still figuring yourself out. <laughs> you, know, you know, Adelaide, one of the things that comes to my mind uh, is there are a lot of households, and we, we in this room might find it hard to believe, but they do exist, where there are no books, mm-hmm. where kids never see a book yes. in, in the home. <laughs> and so that, too, makes it a difficult uh, situation. Yeah. I mean, literacy, like everything else um, in our society, um, mirrors are really inequitable patterns. Um, and there are many institutions and organizations in our region that focus specifically um, on trying to provide books in places where they're most needed. Um, where libraries are are more absent um, and where there may not be the expendable income um, to have more books. Um, so I, you know, as I'm listening to you all, um, books are a sanctuary for a lot of yes. people, um, mm-hmm. and I and the more the better. Yeah. And libraries today are playing a somewhat different role than you know when we were mm-hmm. all, all mm-hmm. growing up. I mean, they're community centers where yeah. people get together and do a lot of different yes. things yes. that are valuable just to get. People who aren't exposed to books, right. exposed to books. Right. Yeah. Yeah. What about the issue of media literacy? We talk about, and time is winding down, we talk about that a lot in this program. Teaching kids critical thinking skills. You're nodding, Adelaide. Is this, is this something that you're involved with, too, at WeStores? Well, I think that um, I, you know, a big part of civic engagement is um, being able to ask critical questions, mm-hmm. whether you're reading something on the news, whether you're listening to something on the radio, when you're looking at a book in particular. Um, and I think that we all need to move away from this notion that there's one magic book, one magic answer, one magic perspective, um, and teach our kids and uh, to ask critical questions. But I think the best way to do that is model that ourselves. So saying, um, what's missing here? Uh, what else might be added? What, what, whose voice do we also need to be considering um, is really, really important. George, is this something you keep in mind when you're writing your books? Your books are very simple because obviously they're for a very, very young audience. But is this something you consider when you're writing? Yes, I would guess so. Everything she's saying would, would make sense that you want to have the idea of growth with these ideas. I like the idea that you mentioned of... Um, breaking down, uh, dis- dismantling prejudice. Mm-hmm. And I think with a young child, here's something simple to dismantle. Now, whether the parents or whatever will follow through is another another story, but it um, hopefully that it's an opening for discussion. And mom and dad can even say, look, just isn't particularly a boy or a girl. And you mentioned media. There are stories and shows and things where they're talking about transgender, and a child might ask their parents, well, what is this? And here's Jess. 
(laughs) They could offer, uh, just as a child, neither boy nor girl right now at this age. Asia, I would ask you in just a few seconds to (laughs) weigh in on this critical thinking skill. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I, I feel Maybe like there's some. Yeah, I think I, I definitely think that it's 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 needed. It's appropriate, and you know, um, I yeah, <laughs> I think okay. you guys summed it we're up. Gonna, we're going to have to leave it at that. I'm afraid our time has gone by. Thanks to Asia Lestar Owens, author of Rock What You Got. Georgie Hertz is the author of Jess Likes to Jump, and Adelaide Lancaster is the co-founder of We Stories. Thanks so much for being with us. Obviously, an important thing to be considering, and be aware of what our kids are doing and how we can help them along. Thank you all so much. Podcast episodes of St. Louis on the Air available at stlpublicradio.org. You can subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or anywhere you get your podcasts. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio 90.7 KWMU. Thank you for listening. I'm Don Marsh.